You're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. If you enjoy our podcast, please share the link and give us a review. With us today is the first person in the U.S. Armed Forces to total over 2,000 pounds in competition. He's a junior national champion in the USPF and APF, a USPF senior national champion, an APF world champion, a USPF senior national champion, and IPF world champion silver medalist. Today, we welcome the one and only Willie Bell. Welcome, Willie. Hey, thank you. Thank you, thank you guys for having me. Oh, it's an honor to have you. Yeah. Yeah, it's an honor, Willie. And, and also, uh, you know, thank you for your service. You were in the Air Force. Is that right? Yeah, the Air Force. Um, just shy of eight years. I got out a little early because I had some vacation time. You know, we could sell back vacation. So I got up, you know, what we, what we call terminal leave. So I'm just a little shy of eight years. All right. Well, we appreciate your service. Um, now, you and Marty go back a ways. Um, Marty's here with us. Marty, you want to kind of uh, tell everybody how you guys know each other? Well, uh, I'm trying to think. I think the first time I saw Willie Bell in action, <laughs> Willie, what was the, um, remember, remember the APF juniors on the beach in Florida? Yes, that was in St. Pete. What year was that? That yeah, was Saint around, Petersburg. that was in 88, I think. Right. And so I went down there. Uh, I handled two lifters. I handled Elliot Smith as a heavyweight. I handled Jeff as a 275. And um, so we were, um, the 275s and the 42s lifted together. So I, I got to see Willie lift uh, for the first time. And that 242 pound class that day, man, that was a gunfight. So there was a really great lifter named Pat Braga. Remember Pat Willie from yes. Jersey? Yes. So Pat had the meat of his life. Uh, total 2100. And for uh, in the old pre equipment days in the 242 pound class, 2,000 pound total was the gold standard. 2,100 was the platinum standard, right? Yeah. So Pat total 2,100 finally and took third place. <laughs> Jeez. Pat, uh, Gary Drigo took second. Gary had like a 550 raw bench press, right? And, and Willie won. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right. I was just, it was incredible. Um, now later lifty Willie lifted for us on, on blacks. After you got out of the airports, Willie, you came over and helped us out when we went, uh, we won the national team title three times in the USPF. Yes. yes. And you were with us two years. I think you were two years. Maybe all three. I, you might've done all three. I think, yeah, I was, I think almost four years. I know 90, okay. uh, 91, 92. My last competitive meet was in 93. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, one final story that I'm going to let it, let, let Willie do some talking. Um, so we were having a blacks team meeting at the senior national championships and we were in a hotel room and all the team members were there. And I remember I was a coach. So Willie and Ed Cohn are sitting on the bed in front of me, right? And it was interesting. I remember this. Though Willie is probably five inches taller than Ed, 
when they were sitting on the bed, their torsos were both the same height. Right. Which to me indicated, <laughs> boy, that Eddie Cone is a stumpy leg guy, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> who, who had the bigger hands? <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, you might, no one ever accused uh, Willie of having any petite hands either. So, uh, Willie, what, what were your uh, best competitive lifts? Maybe we'll start there, back it in that way. Um, best competitive lifts. I mean, if you're talking to me, um, my best squat in competition, uh, 865. Uh, my best bench in competition, um, I want to say official competition was 529. I've done bench meets where I've hit 535, 540, like on a little local things, but um, they're just local bench meets. Um, and my best deadlift, um, 832 in competition. Damn. Mm. And how tall? How tall are you? You're five ten. Um, a little over five ten. I'm about five yeah. ten and a half ish. Yeah. So the, the the importance of that is is that in the two forty two pound class, that five ten and a half, you're tall. Yeah. I here's a story <laughs> about that a little bit, Marty. I was, you know, I was I always train it right around two sixty, but I would lose eighteen pounds to get down to the two forty twos. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Smart. Like John Gamble, almost that kind of yeah. Yeah. loss. Yeah. Because I had went up to 290 at one time thinking that, okay, oh. because <laughs> yeah, I, I went up to 290 thinking that I needed yeah, more, yeah. more bulk, more leverage because everybody I was competing against were shorter than me. They were shorter than me, yeah. wider than me. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I went up to 290s, but I didn't feel good. I mean, because yeah. I used to love to play a pickup games of basketball. We would in, a, in on, a, on a military base. All my buddies, they would, you know, where we lived, we had outdoor basketball courts. So on the weekends, we would play pickup game of basketball. And believe it or not, when I was 260, I could jump up and put my hand over the rim till about mid forearm. Okay. When I, when I got up to 290... Well, when I got up to 290, I could barely get midway up the net when I jumped. So, <laughs> wow. so I, 30 pounds. And, huh? and you'd leave dent, you'd leave dents in the ass. <laughs> but I could dunk a basketball down. when I was 260. Wow. There you go. Hey Willie, that uh, picture you sent me is a great picture. And man, you were you were pretty jacked back in those days. Um what where was where was that picture taken? That was at the APF Worlds in uh Dayton, Ohio, yep. in nineteen eighty-seven, was it, Marty? Yeah, man, I'm I'm fuzzy on those dates, but I'll I think tell it you was. This. I could I can turn around and look at my plaque. If, yeah, it was in eighty-seven. Yeah, eighty-seven. Well, here yeah. here's the deal on that. Uh, the the clash of the titans happened when George Hector went up against Willie Bell, and uh, that was at that meet, right? Yes, that was a shocker yes. to me because I yeah. was focusing on one lifter and then Hector moved down in my weight class because I wanted yeah. to go up against <laughs> Marty. You remember Bill Nichols? Oh, yeah. Bill Nichols Bill and I, Nichols. right. Bill Nichols and I, we clashed in the 85 Junior Nationals. He beat me by two and a half kilos, right around six or seven pounds. Oh, boy. And, I, and that was probably one loss that stayed with me forever. So, and then, and that was the 85 juniors. He beat me by, uh, by two and a half kilos. I went to the 85 seniors a month later and he took second place to, um, Dave Jacoby. It was Bill Nichols. Hatfield took third. I took fourth. Okay. So I focused on the next year, just winning, just hitting one meet 
And um, so, but in that 85 junior nationals, George Hector was there and he was the most impressive dude I've seen. Guess, Willie, guess who coached George that day? Marty. Well, you were, Marty, you was at the 80, so you. I coached okay. George. Okay, at the 85 <laughs> juniors. Okay. Yeah. We coached George. And George, what the whole game came down to, George had this thing where he would like to do his last squat warm-up on the platform. So <clears throat> we'd always have this crazy light warm-up, uh, you know, like, I don't know, seven and a quarter. And it was, to me, it was a throwaway attempt, right? And I tried to talk him out of it. And then he missed his third squat. We had a big third squat. So he jumps from, I'm going to say, whatever, seven, what, uh, if it's a kilo meat, 733. He, he jumped to like 832 for his opener, right? Makes that, jumps to, I don't know, 850 or 860, barely misses it. Uh-oh, now we got a problem. And we lost that time. Yeah, but George, uh, I remember seeing George at that nationals because that was my first national level meet. Okay, so I was up with the big boys because I, you know, in the military, I had went to a lot of military meets. And normally when at the military meet, you know, I was usually one of the strongest ones. And I was still trying to learn my way through what powerlifting was or what, you know, what it was, you know. So when I went to the uh, 85 junior nationals, that was in Washington, D.C., um yep, I saw yep, George yep, yep, yep. I, I saw George was warming up and he was, he was hitting like six and seven hundred pounds for reps and my jaw dropped. Well now wait a minute at that meet that George was a super heavyweight weighing 360. He was and huge. that was that's when he totaled 2400 for the first time. But here's the thing, Marty, I was taller than him. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No wonder he was so <laughs> impressive <right>. looking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> George is oh, about yeah. five nine, five nine and a half. Yeah. I was taller than him, but he was as wide and he had a hair on his back. I never forget this. I said, this guy's <laughs> Willie was like, what have I walked into, man? <laughs> oh, that is so oh, yeah. hair on his back. <laughs> but but so, so George was one that I can always remember, but there was a we were uh, putting up our, you know, you know, Marty, you know, you always used to have to give your opening attempts right before lift start. Okay. Oh yeah. So we were, we were given, we put our opening attempts. It was going back up to, I remember they had all the lifts on this overhead projector that had this, you know, this. and so I was standing next to my old training buddy, uh, Dave Wilkerson, and we were just going out. And I saw in my weight class, the opening attempt was for bench pressing was like 560 something. I'm going, who in the hell is that? And so it was a guy named Jeff Magruder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going and I, I said Dave I said who in the heck is going to open up with a 560 something bench press Jeff was standing right behind me of course he was probably <laughs> five foot five five six and yeah. he said don't worry about me Willie look at your other lifts and I'm going but yeah. dude you right. got this guy had this monstrous open I think he ended up benching like 612 that day yeah wow. his head he had a head bigger than a pumpkin this but yeah, but his tries and his delts were probably equally with you know right up there with him. It was unbelievable he, to see. The, he, that's, oh, he was great. That's what I knew that I was in the big times because these guys that when I was in the military, stationed in Germany, stationed in out in uh, McDill, and I used to read about him in Powell in USA. So 
they were people that I used to inspire to be like, but to sit there and see them on the, because my first time seeing George Hector was in a pilot in USA magazine. I think he went out to the Hawaii invitation and just blew things away as a super heavyweight. And then now he was at the junior nationals and was just like, I was starstruck. And then I see Jeff Magruder and he and Mike McDonald were the biggest benches of that time. Uh, I was starstruck there again. So it was pretty cool to be lifting with and against some of the folks that you have been following all these years. Yeah. I, I, hey. I have a question. I have a question and I've wanted to know the answer to this for 40 years and I have never gotten a straight answer on it. Now I have you here. Are you related to June Bell? <laughs> Everybody asked that question. <laughs> uh, Gene and I are close. Uh, we're not, I, we don't know. We never took, uh, went out to 23andMe and done a genealogy, you know, but when we, I, when I first ran into Gene, this was uh, probably back in 84, 83, 84 at the Air Force powerlifting camp. We were talking and I had relatives in Florida. He had some people up in Georgia. So I, so I said, Hey man, you know, we could be related and from that moment on. We were family. Okay. So yeah. I'll just leave it at that. We should we should alert people a little bit as to who Gene is and was and why he was so great, Willie. Yeah, uh, Gene. Uh, from I think when I met Gene, he was a 148er and he was a world champ. Went up to 165, a champ, 180, all the way up. Did he? I think he may have topped out at 198, but just a phenomenal. At 181, at 181 he he ruled the world. I mean, he was yeah. incredible, incredible. And I tell everyone, uh, Gene and I laugh about the story. We were out at, uh, at an inner service championship. We were walking out of this mall. Uh, we went up there to buy food and everything. We was coming across the parking lot and this lady hit him in her car. He flipped across the car and he landed on the concrete and we took him to the hospital. Gene had this, this little tinge unit on his back. Excuse me? You got hit, you got hit by the car? He got hit by a car in the parking oh. lot as we was walking out toward the van that we were at. A lady leveled him, okay? And he goes to the hospital. He had a bruised back, bruised hip, and he still lifted and just blew some, just phenomenal, just phenomenal lifting. Wow. I think he squatted like, uh, I think he was like a 181-er. He, he squatted like mid-sevens, almost eight. I mean, just crazy stuff. Yeah. And this was- He, he broke, uh, he broke bridges total record mike bridges total 2100 in the 181 pound class <clears throat> and gene broke that record oh i guess probably 10 10 10 12 years later and everyone thought that the bridges record would never be touched um yeah. <clears throat> and it was also in an era the squats were a little bit higher back then um the uspf era man they were they were brutal um, yeah. you either you either you either unquestionably squatted below parallel or they flunked it. It was very yeah, easy. Yeah, in the uh, just just dovetailing off of what you're saying, Martin. In the '85 seniors, we had so many good lifters bomb out because they couldn't get their squats down. I mean, yeah. we're talking uh, the likes that, of Larry Pacifico, Joe Ladinier, yeah. John yeah. Enzer, all of these yeah. folks. Well, that, they bombed. That's when Larry and Ernie formed the APF. As a squat squat, because it was the judging at that at that competition. They, they well, uh, just to add I a little at, bit, I was I was I was at the meeting. They 
they Larry called a meeting. I think it was in Chicago, though. I think that that happened. Yes. And, and Larry, Larry was everybody bombed out. Uh, oh, was that big? Oh, Rice with Gus bombed out. Everybody bombed out. Oh, these judges are horrible. They're horrible. So Larry and Ernie called a meeting, and that's when they formed the APF. And they said, "Look, we're bolting. <clears throat> we're leaving. We're forming a parallel organization." And so anyway, that I don't mean to sidetrack it too much, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's when that happened. And, and that was the whole we're for the lifter. Right. right. And I think another yeah. part of the disgruntledness was the fact is that the USPF was they were trying to align themselves with the IPF, saying that we don't want to send the team over to the IPF worlds and they people fail the drug test or we lose positions because of drugs. So. Um, they so I think it was right around '86 they start or '87 the USPF was saying that they were going to start drug testing the top three finishers in each weight class. Yep. And I, and I think the APF was a little they were against that as well. Well, they have no kidding. Yeah. So <laughs> so between the judging being extremely strict and the whole yep. controversy around the testing and things like the implementation, that. Yep. Yeah. The implementation. Yeah. The implementation of the drug testing caused the schism the great divide and that was the end of powerlifting as we know it that started That's when the, everybody the, started splintering the decline yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, every, uh, yeah everybody willie, been... did you did, willie did you ever make it to any of larry's big dayton extravaganzas weren't those wonderful yeah, like I say, Larry was involved with the APF world that I was that I uh, participated in. Uh, so um, I think he and Ernie friends, and I think they were involved in that, and uh, they were great meets. Larry, uh, um, you know, Larry was an idol of mine because he was a two twenty, a two forty two, or and everything. And I remember when I squatted the eight sixty five, and I came up with it pretty good. It really felt good. And I saw Larry bolting my way and I thought he was going to say, great job, great. You know what I mean? Pat me on the back a little bit. And he looked right in the eye and he says, uh, you wasted your lift. You left too much on the damn platform. And he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he had to tell you that, that. Yeah. He thought that I should have went heavier because yeah. my 865 blew up pretty easily, but I was well, trying you, to. Well, you, you didn't think so. <laughs> Well, it did. It, it felt pretty good because my training was was right, you know, because like I, said, I never uh, did singles in the gym. I always did like triples and doubles. And I we, used Can we shift to that a little bit. Can you can okay. you got us through? I mean, your best. What was your when you were at your peak, when you were at your strongest? What do what you what kind of, you know, frequency, you know, how many times a week did you train? What did you do? You know what I mean? Did you squat yeah. and deadlift once a week? bench twice a week i mean how did well, you set it up first and foremost I, i'm a power lifter by quote unquote profession if there was a thing of profession back then but i was a bodybuilder at heart you know at heart i started okay. out bodybuilding and it wasn't until i was probably a junior senior in, in high school i saw paul anderson and he was at uh, one event that i think he had the seminar uh, because, you know, he was with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and I saw him and he was lifting up people on this table, bending rebar. And that's that's when I, you know, I because I used to follow bodybuilding to the nth degree. I love Bill Pearl. Uh, well, you Willie, know, Willie, tell, yeah. Willie, tell him about how he what did he do with the rebar? 
he would bend it around people's neck. Like he would have a kid come up and he would bend rebar around the neck and say, go and ask your dad to take that off. And so, <laughs> yeah, I could have so, used that skill back then. So cool, yeah. yeah. And like so, at, and then he would take this, this big, probably a huge nail, probably a, you know, I don't know, nail sizes that uh, maybe a 20 penny nail or something, whatever, however big. And he would drive it through a piece of two by four while he was preaching the gospel and talking. Okay. Mm. And to me, I had been following bodybuilding. I was uh, Franco Colombo, Arnold, all of those guys. But then, I, and I'm thinking, I said, you know, of all the bodybuilders you can put in a in one room, no one of them, not one of them, can do what this guy's doing. Yeah, right. How old and were that, you, by the way, when you got into bodybuilding? Um, I had been lifting since you know doing things. I was always kind of what you, what we call in Georgia country strong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I had been lifting through high school because I played high school, you know, junior high school, uh, organized football, seventh grade, junior high school football, went out to for my, uh, you know, Valsa High School, which is one of the best high school programs yeah. in the country. Yeah. Got my leg broke and I started lifting. And that's when I fell uh, more in love with football, you know, and weightlifting than I did with yeah. football. And I never mm -hmm. turned back. Okay. So, um, I was, uh, you know, Mart, I think I've told you once when I was a little kid, I think I was like eight or nine years, when I was 10 years old, because my dad's a military guy. So we were living in, in, in Spain, and I used to sneak into the base gym, you had to be a, a GI or be accompanied by a parent. And we would get on the bus, you know, my day was, you know, I was in the bowling league, then we had, we got enough money to go to the, to the swimming pool, but I would just drop off at the base gym and watch the GIs lift. They would open the back door, let me in. And I was 10, 11 years old and they would put weights on the bar and I was deadlift. I think right around 11 or 12, I was doing like 185, almost a 200 pound deadlift. Yeah. Okay. And right. so that's when I got the bug, but it didn't yeah. really uh, grow or, or into anything until I got into high school. And still that was limited because I had limited amount of money to because when you were in, you know, in a strength sport, you need money to feed your, you know, you know, to feed yourself, to go You're to right. gyms. And so I had been bodybuilding since I was, you know, seriously, probably late high school, got more into it when I got into the military than I really start when I was shipped over to Germany out of boot camp is when I really start searching for piloting needs. And did you have, did you have a coach at that time when you made that switch? Did someone, was somebody? No, no, honestly, you? honestly, when every base I went to from Bitburg to Vandenberg to McDill Air Force Base, I was the strongest guy there. Right. So everybody would come to me. Right. Only way I got my knowledge was reading piloting USA magazines. I would, you know, yeah. you read people's routines and, and then and there's a lot of things that um, I used to watch because I trained at this gym right outside of McDill Air Force Base. And I used to, there was a, a couple of Tampa Bay Buccaneer uh, players were there uh, back. This is like when I got there in 83, one guy, his name was um, Jim Leonard. He was an offensive guard and he used to do a lot of heavy dips, you know, the old, you know, with the chain around the waist. And yeah. so I, so I, you know, I, so I started doing that and I always kept that in, in as far as part of my training. You know, I would do dips at different angles, you know, straight up with the feet holding the weight. I would try yeah. to lean forward, kick out. So the feet would, kind of, you know, so the weight would swing a little bit to help stabilize. Yeah. Um, great, great bench and, assistance exercise, right? Yeah. 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 Body you know, squats. That, that was my yeah. go-to thing. I love heavy weighted dips. And I used to. Uh, what, could you do? what could you do? What kind of, what kind of, 
pounder. I, I, I could do, um, well, I wasn't, you know, I was a rep guy, so I would put probably five 45 pound plates on the chain and I could probably how many? knock out. Excuse me. Five? How many? Five 45 <laughs> pound plates. Five. Yes. Okay. Okay. On a chain. What are you weighing? Yeah. You ain't weighing I, 290. No, well, I, I've done that at 260, 250, 260. You know, well, I okay. used to weigh between 255 and 260, and I would do four. So you know, now, what do you do with that? What do you do with that two five plates? I would just, you know, drop down and hold it and pop up. Drop down, hold it, and I would do maybe three or four sets straight up. Then I would. How many reps? One, um, four to five reps at max before my elbows start and my arms start to tremble. Yeah, yeah, um, my arms, my arms. Well, that's two hundred twenty-five pounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Anytime so I, I put five plates on the chain, my arms tremble off. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah, then I would lean forward. Bad. So I would drop a plate off, lean forward, so that the weight was swinging a little bit like the pendulum, and I would sit there and try to stabilize it, and before I go down, and go real slow, control, and pop back up, because my whole thing was I love to train at a disadvantage. I would, yes. you know, try to disadvantage myself. Um, oh, oh! Yeah. As opposed to everyone nowadays advantaging themselves. Yeah, I've watched videos on YouTube, and I and I don't want to get out here and start knocking a lot of things. Yeah, so, we don't have to do that. Yeah. So, but I see them use this. What did they? What do they call it? That monolith for the squatting. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of folks, it, yeah. it looks like they're overloading the weight because they don't have to walk out as much. So yeah. their squats, so they, they start can. their squats with their knees bent. So when you start the squat with your knees bent, everything just goes off center. So they're high squatting all the time. Okay. So I used to, uh, when my squatting, I used to come out, you know, I used to do my, you know, my standard squats, but I would always uh, work my way back down to a decent weight. And then um, I used to squat, drop down in, into where my butt and my calves were at the very bottom. You know, my butt would yeah. touch the calves. Yeah. And my train, you know, I couldn't count. My training partner is, they, I used to say, count the five seconds and I'll stand up. Wow. Okay. Five seconds. Yeah. Five seconds. Will, I, would, I would five Willie, seconds. That's, Go ahead. That's right. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, that's one of the things I noticed on your YouTube videos. You're, uh, you know, you've got these ultra deep squats, beautiful squats. And that's yeah, what because, you're talking about. So. Right. That's how I train. Cause like yeah. I always, you know, nowadays they have this saying, be, be comfortable being un uncomfortable, yeah. but that was my mentality back then. So yeah. like my, like I would squat up to my, you know, you know, I would pyramid up to my regular squats and then I would, okay. Now as I drop down, I would do my pause squats. And like I said, I was not allowed to count because of course, when you were in the hole, you don't do it long enough. Clock, <laughs> yeah. yeah, your, your mental yeah. clock speed up. My yeah. training partners would have to count, count out to five and I would have to hold it and then stand up. And I would do that. I mean, I, I could do that maybe two or three reps after, let's say if I squatted up to, let's say uh, 854 triple, and then I would work down to probably. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So how much? What was the weight again? <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. Eight fifty. What was triple. the weight again that you just said? Oh. Eight fifty four triple uh, in the gym. Yeah. Um, that, but then, and, and that was pyramiding up. Then on the way down, if I would go to uh, 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 let's see, eight oh five, and I would stop. You know, hold it to you know five seconds, pop up, do that a couple times, then drop down to seven seventy five. 
I would, you know, hold it for five, you know, seconds and do that maybe six or seven reps. I would, that's how I would pyramid my way back down to. Well, let's do this. Let's, let's hear a a typical week for you when you were doing these kind of weights, like how you set, what exercises did you use usually? All right, right. let me, let me me walk through. How many days a week did you train? When I first started, I was a, no, no, let's, 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 let's hone in on your best, what's your peak. Yeah, yeah. On my when I was at my peak, I would always train at least four days a week. Okay, four right. days a week. All right, four now, days a one. week. Mm-hmm. All right, now wait, Willie. On day one, what would you do? Squat. Always Monday okay, squat. Walk us through. Walk us through. Walk us through. All right. So here we are. You're going into the gym. What do we do? One thirty-five, two fifty-five, three forty-five, four fifty-five. I mean, how does that work? You pyramid that it up, you, and then uh, you know, what I do you do after you squat, right? After I, you know, I would pyramid up, do my sets of squats. Like I said, I always try to do three sets of, of three reps. Okay. At the, at my All right. So you work up to a static weight. Yes. Okay. Three sets so of three right, reps. let's say it, what, what was your best three threes, three sets of three static weight pound? That was the eight and a half that I was talking eight about. Eight fifty. <laughs> right. Well, probably eight, eight fifty-five or eight forty-five, right? Cause we don't, cause Kirk, you don't want to tell Kirk to use two and a half pound plates. Uh, well, yeah, yeah but I used to, I used five, two and a half, whatever it was, okay, because you know, so you know, but I was heavier, so by the time I dropped the eighteen pounds, so you know, I knew if I could triple, let's say eight and a half, uh, eight sixty five, eight seventy, eight eighty would be a breeze. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So you so you pyramided up. You've done three threes with eight fifty five. Right. Now what? Then There's I would work singles? down. Pardon me? Any singles? No, wait, I let never, him finish. Let him finish. Yeah, He's going to finish. He's going to finish. I no, never, singles. I never did singles because yeah. the singles required you to wear your lifting suit, and I hated putting that damn thing on. Oh, man, you're <laughs> so right. You're all right, so, all right. right. So, so these were done with uh, the 855 for three sets of three were done with belt and knee wraps. I would do that with knee wraps. If I did wear a suit, I would put on a larger suit than I would ever wear in a competition. Right. Right. Because okay. So Number we've one, done 855 do, for three threes. Now what? Then I would work down and do my paw squats. Okay. With what? Um, just just start taking plates off and just start working my way down. Let's say I would take off, uh, let's say, a 45 on each side. And, and what kind of reps are you doing on these? I would just do the failure. So if I am doing... Uh, so if I could, let, let's say if I take a 45 off and I'm left right around. 855, uh, 755. Yeah. Then I would, you know, I would go down squat. I would have my buddy Paul. I'd say, All right. Count to five. Then I would kick up, count to five, kick up until they have to help me up on the last one. Then okay, I would do then, another set. Right, that's 745. Now yes. where do we go? 655? I go from all the way up to all the way back down until I get it right around two and a quarter. I just love reps yeah. because like, like I said, I was How a bodybuilder. My squat days would probably take hours because not only did I not squat, I would go over to the leg press. I would do leg extension, leg curls, calves, anything a bodybuilder would do, I would do. Sets and reps on you... that stuff, Willie. What would you do? <laughs> yeah. Pardon me? Couple set, couple sets of assistance, or were you really doing a bunch of volume? I there? would like leg press, pyramid my way up, pyramid my, my way back down. I would pyramid up to um, let's say what could you use after you threw 855 for three sets of three and a bunch of pluses? I mean, if I were leg pressing, I'd have to use like 135. 
No, I used to do, and see, here's the thing. I called, there's a difference between a bodybuilder's leg press position and a powerlifter's leg press position. Oh, okay. 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 So I would, I could work up to around 1,200 pounds on the leg press with my feet wide. And I, my goal was to get my knees to, to rest into my armpits. Wow. Wow. Really? Because, because most, <laughs> if you watch most heavy leg presses, they're, their feet are together and the knees are bouncing off the chest. So you only get right. about a, like a 12 inch range of motion. Mm -hmm. I wanted my knees to be into my armpit so I can get a full range of motion and I can press it up. So I, well, I can work. Yes. Was, was your butt ever coming off the pad? Because that's, I mean, that range of motion, your butt usually starts lifting it'll, up. It'll raise up a couple of inches. It'll raise up a couple of inches. But if you set oh. the seat just right, you can kind of squeeze yourself in there where you don't move as much. Was that a 45-degree press? Yes. Yeah. You know, you're a standard leg press machine. I mean, uh, oh. yes. Right. right. So, so, then, well, so then what? You work up after that. After like press. I say, I would work my way up to about 1200, whatever, you know, oh. we had, to, we had a leg press that has like, you know, you got your, you, you could get about 10 plates on each side and about 10 plates in the yeah. center post. You're wearing your trainer partners out, brother. I, well, <laughs> they, they never need to get involved. Well, they never needed to get involved because I'm a rep guy. So you don't really bomb out as much. Yeah. Okay? So, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. All right. So what do you do? Uh, so after that, that's leg day. What, what do you do on day? Do you train the next day? Do you take a day off? What happened? No, no, no. The next day was bench. What okay. would you do? So bench day, I would just, you know, you know, come out, start up, you know, 135 on the bench and work my way up. Um, benching was because I have long, who told me I had like long arms? I mean, I think he told me um, it, it, was, long it, it was Bill Kazmaier. Okay. Yeah. Um, in 83, I met him. He come to Florida for, he was going to give an, an, an exhibition for the Mr. It was like Miss, NPC Mr. Tampa. He was a guest uh, performer there. And I got a chance to, to, to talk to him. And he just told me, he said, widen your arm. Because I was kind of a, a narrow bencher initially, and I could never really get anywhere with it. I was having struggles. I, so he's, because he's, you know, he told me, I don't know if, if he remembered me, but, it, but he said, you have long arms. Make sure you use a wide grip. So I had to widen my grip, lost some strength initially, but eventually it came back up. So I would do uh, regular benching as far as work my way up to like, you know, triples again. Okay. Would you use the same strategy, like three threes in the bench? Yes. Same thing. Okay. Same strategy. Try so to do what, triples, what, triples, what, what do you think yeah. you would work up to for three threes in the bench? Oh, no, you benching know, if benching on a good day five five fifteen if you know uh, that was a good day for me i mean i can't mm -hmm. but usually what? to get the three rep, to get the three reps in i was maybe a, a 505 510 515 guy okay, okay. and usually uh, on maybe on the third set yeah somebody would have to put the fingers underneath it to, to kind of help mm -hmm. me lock it out okay okay and then i will go to the inclines okay. and then then i would the go barbell, to barbell Yes, regular. I would just take the weight off of the flat bench and move it over. You're probably working up to 455 or for reps in that, right? No, I probably, I didn't try to really kill myself on the inclines. I was maybe a 375, you know, because I love to okay. do the reps. Okay. Right, right. Right. And then after the inclines, then I would move over to the dips. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, but then here's the thing. After the diff, I would move back to the flat bench. I went to close grips, close grip nice. bench. Oh, nice. wow. After, wouldn't your narrow grip be shot from the dips? That, the thing is, I needed tricep and lockout work because of my arms. And I got my close grips, not by asking. I used to train with Rick Wild. You, re, you remember Rick? Yeah, Wild. Rick. I mean, wow. Rick had the narrowest grip in the world. And yes, he and he I trained for years at the little gym in St. Pete, was called the Ironworks. And he yep. and I trained together. And he was so, he was a natural, you know. Let, let, me, just, at, let me just, let me just real yeah. quick tell people. Rick did a 556-pound raw bench at 180. Wow. Yeah. I used to lift wow. off for him a ton in the gym. He and I talked. Rick was one of the coolest guys. I, I used to, he was a, your, your quintessential laid-back Florida guy. He was a laid-back Florida boy. Really cool dude, but he was strong as an Sleeve tattoos and a pompadour haircut. Yeah, he was, he was cool. He and I trained, and he did a lot of close grip. Hit, that was natural for him, but I incorporated that because, like I said, I watch people. I may not ask you for help, but I see what you do, and if it looks like it's going to help you, I didn't mind incorporating it into my workout. Recently. Would you do the three set of three on that also, or would you do more reps on the close? Court? I would do more reps, but I would still work up to a triple with it because I would try to get up pretty heavy. Right. Um, you know, you know, to me, like four. 425, 450, you know, trying, you know, that was decent for me oh, for close grip. Yeah, that's a lot of weight. After, di after, after dips how, with 225. How long would the dip, yeah, how long would your dips last? In other words, would, you, would it be like a 20 minute thing or a 30 minute thing? My or? dips were, I would start out with two plates and I would move up to three plates and I would move up to four plates and I would move up to five plates. Okay. And then, and then back I would, down. And then I would drop back down again. You know, whatever way I went up, I went back down the same way. That was that's, probably, that's probably a 30-minute thing just by itself. Yeah, like I say, my workouts were pretty long because I was a bodybuilder at heart. And, Marty, and you, you remember back before we went to the round system in powerlifting where you do your first attempt, your second attempt. It was just... That was horrible. You know, prior to that, it was like the what Olympic lifters do today is whereas everybody's you kind of fit in where you you know get in where you fit in whatever you're doing the weight never um was you know it, it was never lowered on the bar so um if you were a follow yourself you always follow you miss an attempt and you'd have to follow yourself. if nobody else was doing the same weight yes you had three minutes to oh. to to get yourself you know you know put together and go back and do it again and i was always a heavy deadlifter so my whole idea, my whole concept was I wanted to be the best condition lifter on at yeah. the meet because I always had a long day. Okay. We would start, we would weigh in at seven in the morning, lift at nine o'clock and by goodness, two or three o'clock the next morning, I was probably doing my last attempt deadlift. Yep. Wow. Right. That's you remember those days, days. Oh, they yeah. were horrible. <laughs> no, it's terrible. You know, it lasts forever. It lasts forever. If you, you had, had like a contest where you had 150 lifters, 200 lifters, uh, you can, uh, okay. yeah, that was a 16, 18 hour meet right there. That's terrible. So, all right, well, look, let's continue because this is great information. So, that's bench day the next day. Now, do you take off on the third day or do you? I would, I would take off Wednesdays. Okay. okay. And then I would come back and do maybe a light leg day on a Thursday 
and then I would what, always what what, what 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 would be a light leg day? I would come in just do leg press, leg extension, leg curls, calf work. Okay, okay. so squat once a week. Yeah, squat once a week, but I would do leg. You know, then on my you know on my Fridays, I would do my my deadlifts, which was uh, um, you know I start out deadlifting, then I would go to the um, you know. You, you know, do back work, you know, lat work, well, well, trap work. Wait, 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 wait. On the deadlift, what, what are we doing? Are we doing three threes? I would always do triples on the dead. Like if everything was doubles, triples, never yeah. try to do singles. Doubles, triples, double triples. sets. Are you doing multiple sets of deadlifts yes. too? Yes. You know, okay. pyramid up, work it, uh -huh. do my, I used to call my working set, try to stay there until I got it a little exhausted. Then I would work what my way your, back. What down. was your best uh, three threes in the deadlift? I, geez, I, I, I used to deadlift was something that was natural to me. So doing eight, 10, four triple was no big deal in the gym. I used to do demos. I remember we used to open up way back in the, uh, we used to have these super Walmarts opening up all over central Florida way back in the eighties. And they would call my gym and ask if I would come out and do a weightlifting demo I, you know, in the clothing department, in the sports department, and I would just anywhere, we would load up the weights, I would go and just do three or four, you know, I could, you know, put eight, 10 on the deadlift and do like triples and then head back, because that was a natural for me was deadlifting. Well, it was only eight, 10. I mean, yeah. Was that your, was that your favorite <laughs> lift? Um, I can't call it favorite. It was just easy. My favorite lift was probably bench because it was my hardest and I got more satisfaction when I made gains in it. Okay. What was your best, what was your best, uh, ever bench in training? What was that? Like I said, in training in the gym, I hit 540. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I, That's nice. You know, I, I hit a 540, but like I say, but in contest, I never could get that mark because I had to lose the 18 pounds to get in my weight class. And then of course, by the time you finish warming up in the uh, for the squat, hitting the squats, warming up in the bench, and then hitting the bench. And, and you also, know. and this is this is an important factor too. There was there was no twenty four hour weigh in back in those days. It you lifted uh -huh. and then then in the USPF you lifted and then two hours later, bang! Wow, I mean, no, so you, you couldn't rehydrate. Lifted. We started doing twenty four hours right around eighty seven, eighty eight time frame. But that yeah. was an APF thing, wasn't it? Um, USPF moved to that. I remember uh, they, going to, yes. I, yeah, they moved to that. I want to say right around 87, 88, we moved to the 24-hour weigh-ins. Willie, did so, you bench just once a week? Did I bench once? Yeah, I bench once. I bench once a week, but I would always do maybe a light set of inclines, light set of, uh, you know, you know, I always have like my one day, like when I did deadlifts, I may have, you know, you know, I did my deadlifts. I, I did my back work. And what then kind of back work, what kind of back assistance were you doing? I was doing shrugs, a lot of shrugs. I was doing shrugs. Uh, a lot of shrug work. Um, I would do a, a lot of um, rows. But the thing is with my deadlifts, here's my, here's my disadvantage. I always try to train at a disadvantage. Okay. I used to deadlift. I love deadlifting off of a block. Okay. Mm. I would, you know, uh, how big a block, the block that I, I had made for me, my gym owners, uh, my gym owner at Ironworks and I ended up uh, taking that to, you know, he let me have it. And I took it to my other gyms. He welded me this piece of steel that my 
the bar would touch the top of my feet. Okay. Yeah. So that's like, uh, that's a big block, Jimmy. That's like, what, six, five way inches? Up yeah, way so, up there, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so, the, so the bar and my feet, you know, you could roll the what? bar back and it would kind of, if you had what did you do? On, what did you do three threes off that? What was I could package? pull, I, I, I remember pulling 735 off of that block for, for like three sets of three. I remember I did wow. uh, maybe four reps with that off of that. That was, you know, 735, 740 was easy for me. And I yeah. liked it because it used to work my lower back and my hamstrings a lot. And also, this is a point that the public, when the, you know, like people who don't know powerlifting, when they hear that, they go, well, that's crazy. Why would they do that? Well, if you get proficient deadlifting off of a four inch block, sure feels easy when you go to the meet and you're on the floor. And you're on the floor, yeah. We and, used and to do a thing where we would just, uh, uh, we'd lift on a, an extra plywood sheet, right? What's that? An inch and a quarter? Doesn't sound like much, but we go to the meet and it's like, wow, feels like yeah. we don't even have to bend over. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. as a conventional lifter, it really built explosion off the floor. You have okay. to, or it doesn't move. But yeah. So my whole thing was when I was doing that, to, you know, I did it in different angles, but the main thing was to, to um, really, it, it helped me build explosion off the floor. And when you got right around knee high, that's when things start to shift forward. So you really have to stick with it and pull back. I mean, you could yes, really yes. learn how to fight through a deadlift. Yes, and what a set of erectors it gave you. you oh, my know, God. This back looks like two twin pythons. And and your grip. It gave you confidence in your grip because <laughs> if you grip, are pulling right? six inches further from the floor and you can hang on to that bar and work <laughs> over the knees, work up the thigh, and lock it out, those are confidence builders. And I bet, have you ever had any back problems? No, not at all. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, just the amount of volume that? and tonnage. You must have been taking in some serious calories. Um, I had a, well, up until I turned about 40, my metabolism was really fast. Okay? So you had so to bring it in, put it in, huh? You had to pack I it I used in. to average about 10 to 12,000 calories a day. Yeah, you <laughs> now was this, uh, were you watching that type of food? Like, was it clean foods or were you just? Well, yeah, it's out? clean food, right? He goes to KFC, oh gets a bucket and goes, I'm no, not I sure never with anybody. I didn't really like, I've never really liked fried foods like that, but I used to, I used to eat. I mean, I don't eat red meat today because I ate red huh, meat. Enough food. of it back then. I used to, yeah. uh, I used to eat, I used to get up at five o'clock in the morning. Okay. I, th that was my first meal, 5 a.m. Then I would prep, I would make hamburger patties. I would eat 16 hamburgers a day. Okay. How many? 16. How many? 16. 16. It's like 16. three and a half pounds, three pounds, right? I would think. Yeah, I used, to, I used to just go to the store when I lived in St. Petersburg. And I, even here, I, I made sure my apartment was like right across the road from a grocery store. And, I, <laughs> and so I would eat On in, purpose. in the mornings, like at 5 a.m., I would get up, I would eat 12 eggs, French toast take a protein like it was a weight gainer that was at 5 a.m i would shower up get ready to go, uh, uh, for work i would make my 16 hamburgers put them in a tupperware i would put my you know some more weight gaining you know shakes in in like a couple thermoses and i was off to work 
So here's the funny part. I would drive out to McDill Air Force Base, drop my stuff. You know, we we had to work from 7.30 to 4.30. I would get there right around 7.30, tell my boss, hey, I'm going to the child hall. I, you know, I got to eat breakfast. So so by the time- after you already ate. Yeah, already ate. So, yeah, so like two hours later, I was getting my second dose of 12 eggs, uh, nice. French toast and everything else. Right around 10 o'clock, I would eat four hamburgers, Okay. And then drink some weight gaining, you know, uh, uh, mixture. And then at noontime, I would stop for lunch. Two o'clock, I would eat four more hamburgers. And then right around four o'clock, I would eat four more hamburgers. And then I would uh, get off work at 4.30, drive home, uh, eat a little bit before I went to gym. Maybe, you know, mainly carb stuff, like maybe eat a bowl of cereal just to get the carb level up. And then on the way, you know, when I got home, I would eat four more burgers. That would be about my 16 burgers for the day. And then I would uh, eat my regular food after that. And of then course. I would, and then I would get ready for the next day. And that was probably, if anything ended my powerlifting career early, it was just maintaining that lifestyle yeah, of just yeah. eating. What? No pop tarts? <laughs> nah, like Bob Myers? <laughs> he knows how many it's calories just, you know, yeah. in a box. That's just funny when people say they can't gain weight. So he had a plan. He stuck to the plan and he had so much but, passion for it. But Jim, yeah. but Jim, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to him talk about his week and his training and I'm yeah. going, Oh my God, how, how does, how does he recover? How do you, because Monday, you cope. Yeah. Monday you he's, yeah. Monday he's doing super heavy squats, you know, his, his yeah, three yeah. sets of three. And then he's doing, a few days later, a light leg day. And then on Friday, he's doing deadlifts. Oh my God, when do your legs ever recover? Well, I guess if you're eating 12,000 calories and, and 5,000 grams of protein a day, uh, you're going to recover and be just fine. Yeah, but and, and Willie, you're playing pickup basketball? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, my thing was, I didn't want to be that guy that just yeah. only had powerlifting, you know, yeah, right. when I was younger, I can only think of weightlifting. Okay. I could only like, I, I lost a lot of girlfriends because they wanted to go further in the relationship. I told them I was already married to the gym. I love days. it. <laughs> so, so I lost a lot of relationships that uh, way because I was, I was married to weightlifting, married to the gym. Okay. And then later yeah. on, like I say, um, 84, I started to do, you know, uh, I dabble a little bit in martial arts, not wholeheartedly, uh, in the back of the gym, there was a guy who had a, a, a martial art class. So he asked, he used to have to, you know, ask me to come in so he can demo to his students on a bigger person. So I was that guy, I was his little, uh, so that would spark me because, so I will always want to try to dabble in and out of things and try to be a little bit more well-rounded and just be being athletic, a, stay athletic yeah, while you're yeah, still. stay athletic and just enjoy life and not be, you know, not like I was when I was younger, just don't be so consumed with one thing. Right. Speaking mm -hmm. of enjoying life, <clears throat> we can't let you get away without giving us at least one Kirk story. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Oh Lord. Kurt's going to kill me. Kurt's going to kill me. So Kurt and I were roommates when we went to the worlds in 90 in the Hague, Netherlands. Okay. And so <laughs> Kurt snored like a lumberjack. Cutting oh, you wood. Know that. Mm. He snored. And so I used to go to the team doctor and get sleeping. I think there was halcyon tablets. So I could, I could try to go to sleep before him. Okay. And still I would take halcyon pills and go to sleep and he would just snore me wide awake. I mean, it's like, good gosh. So I eventually, uh, 
took the mattress off of my bed and went out in the hallway and slept because it was quieter in the hallway with the doors and the elevator going off than sleeping in the same room with Kurt. <laughs> and and real, real, quick, real quick, let me just intercede. Back in those days, for the world team, they wanted us to come in, what was it, seven days ahead of time to adjust to the time? Yeah, but you got to so understand... We, we, You'd, you'd be in a foreign city in a, you know, in Europe somewhere, and you're trying to maintain your 16 burgers a day. I couldn't do that. That was the one contest uh, 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 that I lost more weight than I had planned to because I wasn't, because like I say, I normally I would take three or four, three days, Wednesday before my contest, I would drop, I would start losing my weight. Okay. And how, how did I lose my weight? I would buy years ago in the eighties, Gatorade used to sell a gum. It was called Gator gum. It was very sour. I, I would, that. I would buy bags and bags of, of Gator gum and I would just sit around my apartment and just, just spit. I would, I could spit out 10 or 12 pounds in about, you know, three days. Okay. I mean, dedication is just amazing. And you were doing this sort of cold without coaching or Right. You know, I, I didn't believe Right. I didn't believe in Lasix or any diuretics. I would, right. I didn't believe in sweating. Okay. I, because sweating, you know, exhausts the muscle. Right. You know, I used to, you know, when I was in high school, I, I had very deep interest in the medical field. I didn't go into it, but I always studied, you know, anatomy and physiology was my favorite subject because it taught me about the muscle nutrition and things like that. So I had a concept of what to do and what not to do on a personal level. So okay. I knew not to go into it like you, you talked about John Gamble going into a sauna. That would exhaust me. Okay. Right. And um, the muscular contraction, you start to lose the. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to control my weight loss, like my, you know, so for three days, <laughs> I never ate anything that had water in it, like lettuce or anything. I would just spit, spit, spit. Of course, natural uh, expelling of like water and I could drop the weight. Okay. When we went to the worlds in Holland, I didn't have my 10 to 12,000 calorie diet. So I, we flew out, I was weighing like 258 to 260. By the time I weighed in for the contest, I was down, I weighed in right around 238. Oh yep. my Lord. Oh, what was your water my, consumption though? What was your water consumption while you were trying to diet down like this? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, there was no water in my diet for like three or four days. Wow. Oh my God. But then once I weighed in, I would, you know, I would have bottles of Pedialyte and I would kind of chug right. those over the next day or so until I could, if I could go down, to, you know, a lot of times I would drink water, go down to the scale and I could swell back up to around 255, 256. And I was happy with that. So that gave me the confidence that, okay, I wasn't too far off, off schedule. So my training, you know, I can be pretty close to the mark that I wanted to get because my goal was always to get eight of, you know, at, at, at a minimum, eight lifts out of nine. That was my goal. And so you combine this, these, this crazy work ethic with obviously excellent genetics to, to process all this food, to process the volume during the week. Um, so it was almost like a perfect storm for a power lifter, you know, we were just creating this champion with everything yeah, together, man. I always thought that I needed to be heavier, but like I said earlier, I just, I got up to 290, but I lost, I just, you know, here's the thing. I love dancing. I used to, you know, they used to always laugh at me. They used to call me the dancing bear because 
no matter where we went, even when we went to Holland, I met these two girls in a restaurant and they took me out dancing after the contest. Okay. And so I love dancing. And when I was 290, I, I couldn't dance with the crap. I could barely move without getting exhausted. So oh, I man. just, I did not like being that heavy. I probably, if I had stayed with it, I would have to sacrifice some things, but, and probably gotten stronger and did, you know, like I said, I totaled 2204 a couple of times. That was, that had tied, you know, John Cook's world record. That's been, that was around for decades. Ever. Yeah. yeah. So I, no you know, I never that. broke it, but I tied it twice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And judging by the way uh, Larry Pacifico <laughs> gave me that, uh, you wasted your lift. You should have went heavier. Um, I probably could have broke it that day, but yeah. that wasn't, I never went to a contest looking for a record. I just, I used to try to get into it because I looked at the competition. I used to watch, I used to watch film on um, Dave Jacoby. I used to watch film on everyone that that I knew that was going to be there. I would study them to say, all right, what is their make break points and see if I can push them in the squat, push them in the bench and then let them need to beat me in the deadlift, which I knew they couldn't do. Who who was, um, who was the best? Who do you, who do you, what lifters? Talk to us about your favorite lifters. My favorite lifters? Oh gosh! Yeah. Um, starting out younger, my favorite lifter, of of course, uh, Bill Kazmar was somebody that I looked up to. I met Bill Kazmar. I think I told you, at you know, in Tampa in '83, '84. You know, it was '83's time frame. He was just an incredible lifter at, at the time. Um, my then I and John Gamble and Walter Thomas they were my idols. Okay, um, did you ever see? Did you ever see Gamble in action? He no, was a I before you. He was a little I, before you. Yeah, John Gamble was at the either it was the eighty-five or eighty-six seniors. He wasn't lifting, but he was walking the floor, right. and he was just a monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he is a monster. And, and then another one that I saw on television that kind of intrigued me because uh, was. Uh, Doug Young, yep. Um, yep. Doug Young, he broke his ribs at the uh, at, at the Worlds in Petula, South Africa. They had aired that in '77 on, I think it was NBC Sports. Where that's the first time I saw powerlifting as a competition. I think that was the one contest where the one Australian lifter, Paul Jordan, blew his knee out trying to keep up with. Uh, I think it was Larry. either Larry Pacifico. He was trying to keep up with Larry. Yeah, he did some crazy things, but to oh, me, yes, I'm going, he did. Yeah, and to me, the guy broke his ribs bench pressing. The guy blew his knee out squatting. I said, "That's the sport for me." Okay, <laughs> so because danger it was, involved. Was it, 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 yeah, there was a risk involved there. Okay, and the thing. Oh, and so, oh so, that reminds. Excuse me, that reminds me of something. JP, you're going to love me for this. Willie Bell, you were the master of the headbutt. Yeah. yeah, I, uh, yeah, that was to me. This was, man, this man could rear back and take his head <laughs> and smash it on a squat bar before an attempt so hard that it would rebound like a basketball. Would you be bleeding? Would it be blood? <laughs> the only time I drew blood was at the world championship. They had this, I think it was the Elico bar that had very sharp knurling in yeah. the center oh. and i i hit that and it just split my head wide open 
Oh, man. But, but Willie, had- that was like 800 pounds. That thing is not going anywhere. You're just hitting this thing, and I've seen it on YouTube, and your head just bounces off, and I'm like, how does he even squat after that? I mean, he's got to be, like, seeing double after that. It was just me just staying focused. I mean, people, you know, I used to smell the ammonia, but that really never riled me up. Okay. Some people, you know, just banging that hit on the bar. I means that my mentality was I rule the bar, the bar don't rule me. So if I could hit my head and lock, you know, lock in and walk out, I I was in total control because nothing was going to stop me from that point. Okay. So that was just me. That was my ritual. I wouldn't recommend it. It, no, it was the purest expression of berserker mentality ever seen in powerlifting, with the possible exception, Willie, you might remember this. Did you see any of the guys who used to hit each other with the two by four? The no, I, I, I saw you people missed, Did you miss clapped. that? You, you missed that. They would lean forward and they'd hit, the training <laughs> partner would hit the guy in the head with the, with the two by four, right <laughs> in the same spot that you had for your bar bounce. Oh, boy. The, the coolest thing about that, you know, um, the day after the world championships in 90, okay, we going downstairs. I think we, we were leaving the hotel. I think I lifted on a Sunday. We were flying out that Monday. So I go down to the hotel and we were leaving. And this, this guy at the desk, he looked at me and he gave me a stack of, of Dutch newspapers. And when I opened up, the sports section i had the humongous picture i still got one copy here yes. of, of me with blood running down my face while i was squatting <laughs> no yes. Kidding. Yes. Yes. i have that art i have a copy of that here i, I need to send scan that, in and get that, it posted send that picture to jp please i will i will well marty's got this in fact you're in this article it's called uh psych enhancement uh evolution for weightlifting and uh, it's on our website, but it, it goes through the evolution of, of the psych and, and all the different things from ammonia to the board, you know, and the board the being out slap, right? The, the face, face slap, slap. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta have and, face slap. Wait, you gotta have Rob Rob Wagner uh, rubbing my ears because the Bulgarians <laughs> did it or something. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> earlobes. Yeah. I can still feel my earlobes. That was like twenty years ago. And then and then Willie's in there, and then Marty wraps it up. He goes, "What could possibly be next? Pyrotechnics or assisted <laughs> suicide or whatever he said." <laughs> That's funny. Uh, those yeah. are the great days, and you know, also it was the quality of the. Um, Willie Bell talks about disadvantaging the the lifts. Yeah. And that was a that was very popular back then. And that's why the bodies, if you look at the bodies of the lifters back then, yeah. those guys were rocked out. But mm-hmm. they were eating 12,000 calories a day. They were dunking basketballs and they were, you know, doing triples with 855 all in the same week. Yeah. Right. And the main thing is. You know, I'll add to what you're saying is taking your time. Okay. A lot of times lifters are rushing to nowadays you got social media, what people are trying to get the likes and that powerlifting. It's a, it's, it's an evolutionary process. You got to know where you're at. Okay. Know what you need to do to progress on an upward basis and not try to jump ahead of schedule. Okay. So I see a lot of lifters, you know, one minute they're starting out and the next minute they want to be. Uh, like an Eddie Cone, which nobody will ever be like an Eddie Cone. So they're missing the details in the middle. 
Yeah. Okay. And they're missing the training. They're, uh, they're missing the assistance work. Very rare today do I ever see any piloting articles, except Marty, when you write about the assistance work side of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's all about the squats, all about the bench, all about the deadlifts. But what happens, there are little things in between those that you really need to focus in on to make your lifts better. To, to work oh, yeah. on the weak points. So you think it's like people don't want to spend that kind of time because the it workouts were a lot longer back then, man. You know, yeah. uh, it's almost like you, they want to look in the mirror more and take selfies and they want to put that kind of, I mean, you were putting in some serious work. And I remember I trained with a guy in Florida one time who used to train with Roger Estep. And he mm-hmm. said, they trained all day on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That was yeah. squat and deadlift That's day. Right. And they trained like six hours on Saturday. That's right. You know, but that but, but but you know, if you're working up to 775 in the squat and yeah. what for us, S step 485 for reps in the bench and 775 in the deadlift and doing a lot of assistance work, which Roger did, he was a West Virginia boy originally. Uh, it's gonna take that yeah. long because you're yeah. working with them, and they had a good crew. And that that what those West Virginia guys, Dave Jeffries was out there, uh. Uh, Luke Eams, uh, a lot of good lifters came out yep. of West Virginia. Yeah, Willie, the, your training and and competition, and everything seems like you went you you relied a lot on instinct. I mean, because I don't think you had any. I never had or anything like that. The the closest I had to a coach was and uh, Marty knows this Bob Fortenbaugh. Oh yeah, okay. Bob. Yep. Bob used to uh, coach for the Blacks. u.s team and he was out of blacks mm-hmm. uh health health world there and but but he would come down mate bob would come down during the springtime because bob was a big baseball fanatic right so he would fly down to florida doing spring training he would stay with me when if he was by himself or out of a uh local hotel if he had a son with him and while i was you know i went to work bob would go out and watch the spring training and then he would meet me at the gym and he would give me some ideas then but I never really had that person that to take me under their wing to kind of show me from the ground up because like I said, I was in the military, so I was the strongest guy. So everybody would come to me for, for like coaching while I'm still learning and whatever I learned, I would, you know, you know, embark on them. So, um, so by the time I got to the junior national senior nationals, it was hard to retool. Like I said, the only time I really retooled a lift was benching when 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 Bill Casbar looked at me and said, you got long arms, make sure you're benching out wide. <clears throat> so I took that yeah. to heart and I changed my grip to go out wide. And so then I start seeing better progress with my, you know, with my bench. But everything else, it was like trial and error, you know, go with what feels good and just make sure, like I said, depth was something that I always wanted to make sure that, you know, I want it when it comes to squats, like, you know, deadlifts were kind of a natural thing for me to do, but so being that they came easy, I had to try to find ways to make them harder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and coming up, you know, through the evolution of your career, I mean, did you, did you ever think, Hey, you know, maybe I ought to try to get a coach. Maybe I could, you know, end up being better or, you know, uh, get my progress going a little bit uh, faster here or anything, or you're like, you know what, I got this. I'm good. Well, no, I just, I just love lifting. I just love the whole concept. I love the bodybuilding aspect of it. I love the powerlifting aspect of Mm. it. I just wanted to enjoy it, but I knew that I had a limited time because I put myself on a time clock. 
because of something that my dad told me when I was in high school. Because I told him I was going to be a professional weightlifter, and he started laughing. He said, "Yeah, when you get older, them damn things are going to be hard to chew." So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I knew. So I told myself I wanted to try to do as much as I could do by the time I was thirty, and after that, back down and start going to school. Okay, finish my college education. So I really never looked at it to be a long-term career. Um, I had an opportunity to train at Suncoast Fitness when, when I was stationed in Tampa. Suncoast Fitness it, it had a lot of good lifters. They had everybody Ladner, up there. That's, that's where Ladner was, right? Joe Ladner was up there. You had there was a lift name, you know, Bob Krosniak. You had Lee Jacobs. You had a whole bunch of folks up there, okay? And the Postons, but I right? Say that again? The Postons. Rick Poston had his own gym. Ah. Rick Poston had his a gym that was over off of Fowler, I think. I, I went to one of Poston's. You know, he had a wife. I think his wife was Debbie Poston. Yep. They had their own gym, and he used to throw bench press contests. You had Dick Armantrout and Sunco's gym, but, but I used to lift at this little small gym in St. Petersburg. I Glad went up there. was down there, right? Joe was yeah, down Lad, there. Yeah, for, i tell you a funny story about Joe, and I, don't, I, I hope you watch this, and I don't know if he remembered this, but – I was, we was at a uh, Postons had a bench press meet, and Joe, Joe, if you if you get a chance to to hang out with Joe, Joe is a very laid back guy, and he had this very smirky uh, way sense of humor. Okay, and so Joe was I think he was opening up with like a five thirty five or five forty bench, and there was another guy that was shorter than Joe. I didn't know that I was behind Joe. And this, they were bantering over something, these two, Joe and this other guy who had a, a decent bench. This other guy was probably a 220, He was short. And so they start getting at each other. They, they went to lock up. So we went to grab, the, grab them to try to keep them apart. And I grabbed Joe and I thought somebody knocked me down. I said, how the hell have I start grabbing? I said, when did I grab his leg? You know, okay. I grabbed his arm, which felt like his freaking thigh. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking, how the hell I get knocked down to grab his leg? But but when I looked up, I had still had his arm. I said, this son of a gun, his his, his arm is as big as my leg. It was so I so I let him go. I said, I'm not gonna get you know cold cocked by a leg with fingers on it. No way in hell. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened? um they they were i don't know they were i don't know if they were going at it for the next attempt and i think joe asked the guy you sure you're gonna get that because joe was playing psychological warfare oh no doubt no and then the guy took it uh, offensive and i was standing behind joe and the guy walked towards joe and i didn't see that i said joe's messing with the little guy a little person he's messing with the midget but when I went around, <laughs> the guy was it. He was just shorter than Joe, and Joe is probably five, 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 six, and this dude was shorter yeah. than Joe. I'm, and I'm going, what the heck? And the, but he was as wide as Joe. I think Joe ended up out benching him. But that was Ladner, the <laughs> Joe, Joe Ladner could bench six hundred, weighing two thirty, and he had a four hundred pound press behind the neck. Um, he was just he was just a monster. But uh, yeah, that was my first time I was. Uh, and that was my Joe Ladnier ex- experience. And yeah. uh, uh, like, so we used to, uh, we, you know, me, him, Rick Wild, we would see each other right around the uh, Tampa uh, Bay area and everything. But uh, I, I, like I said, I didn't train 
up at Suncoast Fitness because my training was different than theirs. They train like powerlifters. I wanted to train like a bodybuilder with powerlifting influence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can, yeah. can, so, I, can I ask you? Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. What What would you, what uh, What did you pick up from training with Rick Wheel? How would you describe his bench press training? Rick was a natural bencher. Okay. Um, there were some days Rick would just come in and do benching, and then he would take off. Okay. <laughs> And then some days he would come and do benching and then he would do maybe some behind the neck press and maybe some dumbbell press. And then he would take off because he was a natural bencher. Okay. So I used to just so, hang so he out. Wasn't, with, he wasn't in the gym training with you three hours. No, 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 no. There was very few people that wanted to train that way, but that's, but my training buddies, I had a couple guys, they weren't great on that scale, but they would train with me because we were good buddies and we just enjoyed being there. But I would train from like, and you got, and you got results. Yes. You know, I, once I got into the nationals, I, I, you know, I cut back a little bit, you know what I mean? But I still wanted to have that bodybuilder mentality with the powerlifting influence because I just wanted to feel like I was an athlete, not just some big dude. How's your body these days? My, my body's good. I mean, I still, I, I, you know, I squat these, I squat on Mondays, you know, I I don't squat heavy. I do three fifteen and do sets of 10. How old Um, are you Willie? How old are you? 61. 61. Okay. Wow. Still doing that though. So I do, I, I do three fifteen like the other day when, with this past Monday, I'll go out, you know, I, I went out, I did five sets of 10 with three fifteen. Um, what do you want? What do you win? Um, I, I get on the scale. I've been trying to lose weight. So this year has been last October. I weighed two fifty two. this morning. I weighed in at two thirty one. So I'm nice. good. Yeah. Nice. So I'm right now, I'm right around two thirty, two thirty, two thirty one. So like I said, benching, I don't bench really, really heavy. I mean, but I do like, I'll do like up to 275, but being that my shoulders are getting a little cranky, I take a mm-hmm. beach towel and I fold it up till it's pretty thick and I'll bring the bar down to the beach towel and then I mm-hmm. would do sets with that. So Good idea. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. And, then, and the thing is, I see people do the, I like the wooden blocks and stuff, but you just can't, you know, I like to, you know, get the rhythm and, you know, tap the chest and, and bring it up. I don't, yeah, I just don't see how you can feel comfortable dropping the weight on a wooden, you know. It's a, like a, a disconnect. It, you yeah, know, yeah. It's like so, your body's not evolved. So, so I have a large beach towel that I have kind of folded up till it's about four inches thick. And so mm-hmm. I don't over-rotate my shoulders, yeah. you know, be, because to me, you know, the, the benching is an unnatural positioning of the hands and it rotates the shoulder socket. So I really, you know, but I love dumbbell presses so I can keep my hands in, you know, in a regular natural position, yeah. you know, you know, palms inwards. Like neutral, so, neutral grip. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like palm inwards, that doesn't hurt my shoulder as much anymore. So like, you know, my shoulders are a little cranky because of the age and all the years of lifting, but I can, but it's, but they're still pretty healthy. So you've never you've never stopped. I mean, you're still li- lifting some decent weight. I mean, especially for 61 years of age. But uh, are you still deadlifting? Uh, are you is he, are you still deadlifting, Willie? I deadlift, but 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 light. I may do two and a quarter, three fifteen. That's as uh, that's as heavy as I'm going to go. 
Okay. Yeah, um, I do a lot of dumbbell, you know, cause I'm a cardio guy now. Okay. I love doing cardio twice a week. Um, what's your favorite, do, uh, what's your favorite mode? As mode of uh, cardio. Yeah. Well, I do, you know, I, I'm a, like I said, I, I like training. So I'll do a three mile run. I'll get on the, uh, my, my rogue air bike. I'll do that for like 14 miles and I'll get it on my I have a rogue uh, concept two ski erg. I'll do, you know, I'll try to burn 200 calories on that, take a rest and I'll do it again. One more circuit and, and I'm good to go. And, and, and I'll do that twice a week. Uh, that's Wednesdays and Fridays these days. Uh, you an early morning guy? Um, no, I'm usually working. I, I used to do early mornings, but I, I'm just, I'm so much in the mode of training after work. Even when I was out cable splicing, right now I'm I sit in the desk, but, you know, I was out, you know, cable splicing in the heat of Florida. I still would train after I got off work. That's, so, that's when you felt, felt strongest and most comfortable. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, and, and that too was, I would always like, um, if I knew I was going to squat big, I was already psyched. Yeah. Let's say Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I had yeah. butterflies. Yeah, <laughs> I would have butterflies Friday, Saturday, Sunday, up to Monday. It was like going to a contest because I would have butterflies because I set myself a goal. I would, you know, I'm in a cold sweat some nights, you know, not sleep because number one, I'm in a gym where people looking at me being the strongest person. So I can't fail. You right. see what I mean? So yeah. that was the mentality. You know, I can't fail. So I, I would have butterflies. So my contest were more in the gym i had more satisfaction in the gym i think marty i you know i told you if i won the nationals you know that was no big deal to me because i had put so much energy in my training yeah. that was anticlimactic yeah. i really didn't yeah. maybe i said if i could go if, if i could redo life i would enjoy those moments more than i did at, at the time yeah Dor dorian yates told told us the same thing that the uh uh, he lived for the training. The competitions for him were, he said, you know, at best sort of a report card. Yes. Right? And, a, and a demarcation, the end of this cycle. Now we, now we have new beginnings, but he said he was not. Whereas, and, and he would agree with me, I'm not talking out of school here. Somebody like Kirk actually, I mean, he thrived on the, the audience, the crowd, the, uh, you know, he he was the best at soaking up that audience energy and, and just, I mean, turn himself into a. But see, here's the thing with me in the gym lifting. OK, like when I, I trained my gym, they I love them. They love me. So you would have a gym. And when I put the weight on, you know, you know, you they would turn the gym music down. Let me let me everybody would stop lifting. They will look at me. I would do my set and then they would, after I put, after I would rack the, you know, put things in the rack, let's say I would squat, put it back in the rack. They would turn the music back up. Everybody got back to their set. That's so great, okay. man. Okay. And the thing was, I, you know, when I, I got butterflies because I knew all these people, I would, yeah. you go to the nationals. Yeah. You know, some folks, but the people in the crowd, you, you, I thrived off of a little bit, but I didn't know those people. I knew right. the people in, in the gym. So, so they gave me direct feedback. Okay, <clears throat> like, like Chalets or, or Maryland Athletic Club. Yeah. And um, in 89, I took a year off, not because I didn't want to lift, but I just took one year off in 89 because all I wanted to do was I went from high school 
to middle schools, to school for troubled kids, and just give demos because I knew when I first saw um, Paul Anderson, this guy opened my eyes up. I was starstruck. And I just wanted to go around because a lot of these kids in, from, from my experience growing up in South Georgia, and to have somebody come in and do this in front of me, that would, you know, like I saw Paul Anderson, I was starstruck and that kind of set me off on my path to be a strength athlete. So I spent like 89 just traveling. I had a buddy, had a pickup truck. We would load weights up in the back and, and like bars and my, you know, and my deadlifting loading bar. And I would go from schools, any school that would have me, I would just give demos because I wanted to connect the kids to, you know, strength, strength training, powerlifting, and just blow their mind a little bit just to say, you know, and then the cool part was they would write me letters and saying how much they appreciated what I did. One guy, you know, one kid, you know, I want to grow up to be like you. And that part there fueled me more than a yeah. trophy. Or Man, going so to, great, yeah. And you just thought about that yourself, just decided to do that. Well, well, I had one offer. I th this guy was opening up a, a goals gym. He right. and he was a uh, he was a UCF grad. He he uh, got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. He opened up a goals gym, and I did my first demo there. And so then one of the gym uh, managers there, his name was Mike. He's he was the one that was saying, "Hey Willie, um, I got this school here. Hey." do you think you can do a demo here? I said, yeah. So I said, Mike, I said, if you can uh, find some schools that would have me, I would love to go and give uh, demonstrations in front of kids because they are the biggest influence in our generation. You know, that's the kids that are going to run the world. And these kids are going to eventually grow up to be powerlifters and, and weightlifters. So if I can reach them, that would make me happy. So I got more satisfaction doing that than I did winning a trophy. So you gave the demonstration, but would you give them a speech or did it have a certain? Uh, well, I would live and a lot of times they would come down out of their like, you know, let's say middle school. I would go in the gymnasium. All the kids would be up in the, uh, you know, up in the bleachers. Right. I would lift and they would come down and they would ask me a, any question they wanted to ask me. They could. OK. OK. So it's not <laughs> like I would lift and just and just, you know, walk right, away. You, later. Know. Yeah. you know, I would lift and, and just mingle with the crowds and everything. And, you know, they would want my autograph and things like that. You know, th that fed my ego to, you know, a little bit. And I would, you know, it, it was just a great relationship, just giving back to a younger generation, showing what them something like that. Yeah. What did they think about you headbutting the bar? Did you not do that? I, I didn't have to do <laughs> I that. <was> <laughs> I didn't have to do that. I used to, you yeah. know, deadlifting was the easiest thing to do because you didn't need spotters. And a couple of times I used to blow their mind. I, um, I was at a gym and they, we loaded the weights up in the back and they bought it out on the middle of the gym on a front end loader and they dropped it down. <sighs> and when they was lowering it, the back wheel of the front end loader kind of came <laughs> off the ground. Then it set itself down again. And so when I lifted the weights, the kids just went berserk. It was oh, the funniest crap. <laughs> well, it gave them, it, it showed them. Except the problem it is, it gave them a comparison between yes. machine versus man. Because yeah. you're probably doing, you know, you're warming up and 600 looks like 135 for most people. But now they could relate to how heavy that actually was at that and, top weight. And they yeah. were, and it was like a middle school close to where I live and they just went bananas. That was one yeah. of the cool things because that front end loader, he was lowering it in and the back <laughs> wheel, because he took, you know, we loaded 800 because I warmed up in the back. Wow. You know, I think it was like in a hallway and then we loaded it up. 
we 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 went outside, loaded 800 pounds up. He drove around with it and come through this this double door in the gym. Yeah. And then he took it out to the middle of the gym. And when he was lowering the weight to the floor, the back wheel of the front end loader raised up a little bit before it, it settled down. And then I come strolling in and Mike would, you know, he would pull my straps up and the kids, you can hear the sound start out really low. And then this buzz start to raise up and raise up. And when I did my reps with it, they just went bananas. Went I got chills right now. I got chills right now. <laughs> that is so cool. I, I wish you could have came to my school. I Me would have too, been so man. Inspired. Me too. I mean, you know, Willie, some of these kids uh, wrote to you and said thank you and all this stuff, but you have no idea how many kids you touched right. out there and it probably changed the the trajectory of their their life. You know, that's really cool. And and that's why if if some of your lifters out here, if some of your listeners on your podcast. If you are lifted, it doesn't, you don't have to be a world-class athlete or national champion. You know, YouTube is great, but go out and in the, in the community and just give back, show these kids things in person, live and live in color, let them walk up to the bar and tug on it a little bit. They will see that they can, anything that they want to do in life is possible as they just apply themselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, Man, that's something else. That's, that's awesome. Is, Jim, why aren't you doing that? He is. At this age? Yeah, get out there. He he does it all the time. He does it with his two kids. I train kids. I train train a bunch of kids for free. Yeah. It's just, it's it's such a gift to people, man. It's such a gift. It's, uh, besides just being so grateful physically, it's a stress reliever. And, you know, the bottom of the pyramid in life, the foundation is always going to be strength. When you're strong, you can do stuff. When you're yes. weak, you're, you're helpless. But and if, but what comes along with that is the discipline and dedication yes. and all that that you then carry forward in your life, whether it's, you know, relationships, being a, a parent, a business, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the, the thing is, there's a lot of, and also it taught me in life, you're going to fail on some things, but you've got to get back and just keep training. Right. Keep yeah. perfecting what you're doing. Keep at it. And if you put a time energy into it, you'll eventually overcome any uh, obstacle or any adversity that you face. If you just be patient, stay the course, and just find solutions instead of walking away and turning your back or maybe taking shortcuts. That's right. That's right. This is weightlifting is a great teacher. And Marty said many times it's about climbing the mountain. You know, we're always climbing the mountain. You know, and then we hit an obstacle or whatever. We fall down the mountain a little bit and climb back up. You do the same thing in life. So this is a, a great way to establish that foundation for a kid, you know, just like it did for all of us. Or, or, or an adult. Or an yeah. adult, yeah. You're never absolutely. too old. You're never too old. You're never That's too right. old. No, you, it's the regimentation. It's the reg- regularity. It's the whole idea. Everything we do in resistance training can be reduced to numbers. Yeah. So because it can be reduced in numbers, it can be improved upon. Right. So even if you're handling a pair of five pound dumbbells, if next week you either do more reps with the fives or right. next week you're handling seven and a half pound dumbbells, that's numeric improvement. And you get that going over time and that's how you hook people. Yeah. Each and the week, feedback is week, immediate. Each week, each week. Yeah. And the and feedback is immediate. As, as Willie knows and as Steele knows and as JP knows, for people that are new to, to weight training, 
their progress can go straight upwards yeah. for like two years. Yeah, right? Right. yeah. They, where they where they never plateau because if you handle them like we talk about patiently, eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? Slowly, and then they never plateau. It's amazing, and they get their we give them back their range of motion because we disadvantage our lifts. We don't advantage our lifts. We don't do partial squats. We don't do partial anything. We do full range of motion and we give them back their function. We give them back their mobility. We give them back strength. Strength is the hardest to get, but it's the slowest to leave. Cardio is the easiest to get, but it's the quickest to take off, right? Right. So once we give them strength, then it's like, oh, they they love that. And again, each week, numeric, numeric, numeric. Same thing with the body weight. <clears throat> manipulate the body weight put the body weight in sync with the with the periodized lifting and man you got numbers going everywhere yeah it's just so wonder- funny when willie when you're talking about how you felt thing about how you had a good a big squat workout coming up nobody right. understands that man you got no. butterflies you're, you're picturing yeah. it you know you're, you're seeing everything and you got yes. that there's a the excitement but the little bit of uh tentativeness like man i gotta get the, you know am i gonna get that you know i know i can do it and you go back and forth in your head it's it's uh they, people don't even they, realize they, they'll they, be like they, mean for normal, lifting normal weights, people don't think know? normal people don't think about what they're gonna do for two seconds before I know, they walk man. into the gym and like normally after i squat let's say if i squat you know x amount on a monday I already had my map out what I was going to do the following Monday. Okay. So now I can recover and mentally start building up that momentum to the next workout. Okay. And that's why burgers, baby. (laughs) My 16 burgers were my, they were my in-between meals. (laughs) Cause I used to eat right around six meals a day. And my burgers were like in between. I used to try to get and if sometimes I would treat myself and go to, um, and I'm not plugging Burger King, but there, uh, there, what, what, what I have the thing Whopper and the, and the yeah. double meat Whoppers. I used to yeah. eat those on the way, but I used to pass by one heading home and I would grab one and I would pick it up and just eat it on, on the way to the house. Wouldn't that home. great though, when we could just down 12,000 calories yeah. a day and just not <laughs> yeah. care. And we're like, yeah, this is great. But it was a burnout too. When I was, <laughs> when I decided to get out of powerlifting and, and go back to school, that was the one thing that I looked forward to was not eating so much because there were, some times, out, yeah. there were some times that I would eat and eat. And some, I remember eating one time and I was eating with a friend. And he said, why you got tear coming out of your eye? Because you're sitting there <laughs> forcing food down your mouth and you're not hungry, but you know, you need it to keep the calories up, to keep the weight up. Yeah. I started to get to where, you know, cause I used to take Tupperware with me everywhere I went and, uh, you know, um, I was eating all these chicken breasts. I got to where I couldn't eat chicken anymore. I was like yeah. starting to gag. I was just sick of it. I don't eat beef anymore. Now, later on, I was eating like, you know, you, you, you bring up a point. I was eating like two or three chickens a day. I would, you know, <laughs> chicken and rice or chicken and pasta. I had this big Tupperware. And I remember I was uh, training a guy that uh, he was coming into my career field and I, and he, he had to ride with me for a couple of weeks and he would just see me just, I would have two or three Tupperware. One would have, let, let's say a half a chicken and noodles for the morning. And then another one would have another half a chicken with, uh, let's say rice for my afternoon meal. And then we would stop to get lunch along the way. I was talking, he said, where the heck you put all this food at? 
<laughs> so because yeah. I was always eating to keep the weight on, because if I stopped eating, I because of my metabolism at the time, I would it was easy for, for me to drop weight. So yeah. I needed to, yeah. you know, keep the engine. And, and, and again, you've got to remember that even stuffing himself at five ten or five eleven and two forty, he's skinny. I mean, you cannot imagine how short these guys. I got the shock of my life the first time I went to the USPF National Championships back in the unified days, right, Willie? One of Larry's yeah. contests. I'm walking around backstage. All the super heavyweights are my height. Yeah, it was. Right. Dude, I'm look like, at Kurt. Oh, I am man. taller than Kurt. Kurt's but five, yeah. seven, five, eight. Oh, yeah. And easily, I because I I tower over Kurt by maybe three or four inches. Eddie's five 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 six, if that. I mean, so all of these guys. Eddie will end up being a two forty two or at five six. I think he is, or five 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 six. Can you imagine that? <laughs> so if you look at scale and ratio, density for I, height, density for right, height, right? I needed to be a at least three hundred and twenty five pounds at five ten to to get anywhere near that type of leverage mass. It, and, and then you'd look like John Gamble. Yes, some yes, but I just like I said, I, there was so many things I liked doing outside of the gym, dancing, playing. You know, I just did not want to sacrifice that. I, I oh, a funny story. When I was around two ninety, I lived in an apartment complex in Saint Petersburg, and I, I you know, I kind of understand where Kurt's coming from with the snoring. So my neighbors. <laughs> My neighbor, it was, it was Joe and Sandy. They, you know, the way the apartment complex layout was, the master bedrooms were kind of on the opposite side of the wall of each other. They would come and beat on my door at two o'clock in the morning and ask me if I could sleep on the other side of the apartment because they could hear me <laughs> snoring through the wall. Oh, man. And so I knew that being that big just wasn't for me. Yeah. I love weightlifting. I love powerlifting, but I just could not. Yeah, walking day in and day out, weighing two ninety. That's what Jim and I talked about. You know, he got over three hundred. I got three three oh five. I think it was my heaviest ever. And um, you get sleep apnea. You have all these these things that start coming on because this is just not natural for your body. Yeah, you're you're really only good to lift weights. You, the, and then yeah, that's three, it. Those three I asked, and eat. I asked I asked George Hector about it one time when he was at his heaviest. So George is George is from Maryland. He's from our neighborhood. He's from Harbor de Gras. So I talked to him about it. I said, Oh man, what's it like being 360 on top of the world? And he goes, Oh, it sucks. He yeah. said, It's great two, it's great two days a year at the nationals and the worlds. When I met Bill Kazmar in 83, it was, he had just finished his tryouts with the Green Bay Packers, okay? And he, like I said, he was in Tampa. He gave his, this little weightlifting, this little strength, little demo at the NPC Mr. Tampa. Then he gave like a little seminar. It was like a little uh, impromptu seminar at the gym that I worked out at. And so he was telling us about his experience trying out for the Packers. And he was saying on the same line, he says, I just wish I could run like a deer. Like these, I guess the speed of, of the game is yeah. something that kind of shocked him. He, you know, he's, I just couldn't run. He says, I used to dream that I was, a, you know, a deer <clears throat> and I can run like a deer, but being his size at the time, he was like yeah. 350, 360 at six, two, six, three. It was just, just those guys. Like I said, 
I trained with, you know, the guy, Jim Leonard. He was the offensive guard for the Buccaneers. Back then, those guys are small compared to the offensive linemen today. Right. He was like 6'3", 268, not little compared to. So now oh, you yeah. got now you got Bill Kazmaier. He wouldn't, he, wouldn't he wouldn't even be drafted. Well, he would have to change positions probably like a D. A, a, yeah, like I'm just saying, yeah, but I'm saying today, today yeah. they, wouldn't, he wouldn't, they wouldn't even, you know. So yeah, you're right. He'd have to change positions. So here he is. I'm, I'm, so I'm visualizing Jim at 268 and Kazmar about you know 330 maybe, and I can see and I can see how the speed of the game. I'm pretty sure those guys are firing off a line before uh, you know Kaz could get his knuckles off the grass. You know yeah, and he mean? hadn't so, been doing it either, man. You know that's. No jumping into the fire yeah i mean so you you got to give him mad props for that yes, at least giving no it a go yeah. at, the, at the pro level at that level you you have to have the reflexes you have to have the agility everybody's big and strong right and these guys have been doing this since peewee football right so, and, yeah. and you have to have the not you not everybody can run four four in the right. 40 and that's not something you can't if, if you're a 5-2 guy, you don't work down to 4-4, four, four. No. okay? It doesn't happen. No. So it's the, the, you got to be born with it, and then you get a guy who's got those gifts, and then we build them up, right? Yeah. But you can't take a big guy who doesn't have those gifts and mm-hmm. suddenly make him a great pro ball player. It right. doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah. So, Willie, what are you doing these days? Um, as far as profession or yeah, yeah, um, work-wise, I've, I've been, uh, I work for T-Mobile. I am a principal design engineer and they're, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm an IT engineer. I've been, I've been doing this since uh, graduated. since 19. Like I graduated, I, I, I got finished my degree. Well, my associates in 94, I started it and I, I got serious. I've been taking classes since joining the military. I was taking like, clep, you know, clepping out things i was taking correspondence in 92 i enrolled in the associates program i started taking some it courses back then i i've been in the it field since uh 95 i um i'm a principal design engineer in, in their managed services uh group i also i'm an adjunct college professor i teach uh at a local college that's uh, uh, seminal, been, right all right, I've been teaching since 2001, so it's been a minute. That's great. Yeah. How do you like doing that, being a professor? Love it. I mean, I don't, you know, I've, you know, the thing is always giving back. You don't make a lot of money being an adjunct, but if there's a way that I can mentor somebody to improve their life. Yeah. And sometimes I, you know, I get emails from folks that I, that were in my class and I, and I try to. Uh, you know, a little story real quick about that. I had one of my students, this was right around 2004, 2005. I think his name was Gary. He was a little cocky. So we, so you had to build what we had a data network Then I would go through and put some, you know, put some bugs in it. Then you had to troubleshoot it and work it through. And he told me, he says, uh, you know, he said, Professor Bell, there's nothing you can do that is, that's going to, he, he said, there's nothing you can do that I can't fix. Okay. So, I put, I gave him bugs that I never taught. You know, we never, I went way of, I just really ruined his thing. Okay. (laughs) So everybody was done. I said, when you are finished, you can leave so I can grade. And he was still there cussing and moaning and groaning. 
And I, so finally when, so he said, what did you do? What did you do? I can't fix this. I said, Gary, I said, you're going to pass. But my lesson is you have to know your audience. He says, you got to understand there's always going to be somebody smarter than you. So just be humble and try to learn from those people. Right. And so I got an email with from him maybe a year later, thanking me for teaching him mainly, you know, a lesson in life. He says, cause he's working. I don't, I can't remember where he worked, but he said, there's a lot of sharp guys here and I'm like a sponge. He says, I came in with an open mind because you taught me that. That's so Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, a yeah. quick headbutt yeah. would have been the cherry on top for that. Story. <laughs> so that's what, you know, to me, I don't get a chance to, uh, I guess I see a lot of, you know, I don't get a chance to go to seminars that much to kind of talk about powerlifting. That's why I appreciate you guys reaching out to me to kind of go over my history and my history in the, you know, in the strength game. But my goal yeah. is to, you know, because I always told myself because of growing up and, you know, you know, my dad, you know, he and I didn't get along much, but he told me two things that I kind of stuck with me that I kind of lived my life by. Number one was that ordeal about, you know, um, well, you know, his main thing was use your brain, not your brawn. Okay. Yeah. And because I wanted to join the army, I wanted to be a Green Beret, Special Forces and everything. And we were driving to a uh, army recruiter or recruiting office. And he looked at me, he says, you know something, son? He said, you're smart. He says, you, you know, he said, you can join the army. He said, the army's, you know, they make the best killers in the world. Trust me. He said, they make the best killers in the world. He said, but being in the, in the military, you're going to have a very short career. It's about 20 years. He says, so by the time you get out, you're going to be 38, you're going to be 38 years old. He says, but one thing I can guarantee you that they don't hire killers on the outside. Mm -hmm. So you better learn a craft. Yeah. So he says, go to school, do something that you can use beyond the military. So yeah. I told him to take a left hand turn and we went to the Air Force recruiter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went to an Air Force recruiter and I got into the communications field. That's great. But how awesome is that? A lot of kids don't get those those kind of talks, you know. Right. And the thing is, like I said, my my dad and I, we were from two different generations. He was really, really old school. He was a 24 year uh, retired a military guy. I mm. wanted to be different than him because not believing, you know, but, and the thing is he and I never had one of these chummy, chummy father, son talks, but he would spit some things out at me that you have to kind of sit back, absorb mentally and says, where is this dude coming from? Yeah. Well, that was, that's a credit to you to be able to realize that though. Right. You know? So I always used to have the process. Where is he coming from? What is he trying to tell me in an indirect way without trying to mm -hmm. uh, push me into his, you know, not trying to push me the way he wanted to push him, but he would just, you know, drop something in my lap and just walk away. And mm -hmm. I, it was up to me to take that information and use it. And so that's when I knew that I wanted to, so I, I went into the Air Force, I learned a skill, I used that skill when I got out. I always wanted to go to college. So I, so that's why I put my, I told myself that if by the time I was 30 years old, I was going to go to college, you know, so that's why I tried to get as much as I could get out of weightlifting or powerlifting up to that point. That's great. Okay. So I did stay a little bit longer than that, but I did enroll in, you know, I did finish, you know, you know, I, I, I got my master's and all of that. So I'm happy. And so now when I have my kids, my kids are both, you know, they graduated from, from uh, University of Central Florida. I have another son. He is not my biological son, but I raised him since he was two years old. He's in the Navy. He's serving the country. So 
I'm hoping that what I've done has influenced all three of them. That's great. Yeah. Well, you've influenced way more than, than them. You've influenced a lot of people throughout your life. So, you know, I hope, you know, like I tell my daughter, my whole thing is when I, when, whenever that time comes and, you know, and the man upstairs called me home, I just want to go in peace. I don't want to leave anybody, you know, anything unsettled, any, I don't, you know, I don't want to ruin, you know, may have ruined anybody's lives or anything. I just wanted to have been, my thing is to, to contribute to this life, to be positive to the people that have been around me. And yep. so that I can grow old in peace and maybe pass in peace. You see, that's, that's yes. been my goal. Yep. Absolutely. On the table. All right. I don't know how we could end on a higher note. Ah, just what, what an inspirational man you are, really. That's, I appreciate you coming on, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Thank you guys really. having me. And, and Marty, I don't know how often you, you know, tell Kurt, uh, Kurt, he and I have been messaging back and forth. Kurt's my guy. Love him to death. Eddie's my guy. Love him to death. All of those guys. Well, those, here, those let, are, me, let, me, yeah. let me pass this on to you real quick. I think it's, uh, it's been formalized. Uh, Kirk and myself are going to be co-hosting with Ed Cohn an event in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. I think it's May 14th or 13th. Okay. So uh, you might keep that in your bonnet. All right, let uh, me know. I guess I would love to see those guys. Like I said, yeah, those guys we're gonna are like be, brothers we're, to me. We're going to be there, and I think some other guys are going to be there, so it might be. Yeah. And it's uh, Tyson's is nice. That's uh, yeah, you know, you know Tyson. Right? Yeah, like my, uh, I think I was, yeah, my, um, my, where my my group is, my group headquarters is out of Reston, Virginia, and I've That's been up to Tyson's there. corner. Yeah, right down yeah, the road. Yep. Yeah, I've so, been up anyway, there. Right. I, I think I had, you know, we used to go up there to have dinner and things like that. It's a really nice location. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, uh, keeping them, keeping in the back of their mind. All right. So all just right, let, so just let me know, and I and and I'll, my expenses, I'll take care of all that. I just want to, you know, I, you know, Marty, I want to see you again, shake your hand again, give you and give you a hug. Want to see Eddie? Want to see Kurt? Those guys, like yep. I say, you know, I love you guys. Thank you for having me on, and I hope but, your listeners will, you know, appreciate the conversation today. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. By the way, you you got anything to promote? I don't just the only thing that I just Charities I think I mentioned anything? it earlier. Just my thing is for you powerlifters. You guys are great. Keep at what you're doing, but always give back. Kids are watching you on YouTube. That's probably not enough. See if you can go out to your local schools, local churches. Like I said, I used to do weightlifting demos in Walmart clothing departments just so I can show kids what what weightlifting is and how they could be great if they just you know apply themselves so so you young uh, power lifters coming up some of your old some of you guys that i see on youtube and i admire what you're doing give back to your community give back influence the next generation of power lifters the next generation of weightlifters that's all i want to plug awesome give back if we only had more willie bells in the world wouldn't it be a greater place <laughs> all right listen Check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at Iron Company. Uh, you can find his latest article, Putting a Finer Point on Resistance Training. It's up now, so check that out. You can also check him out on uh, Instagram, at the Marty Gallagher, and uh, his website as well. Him and his wife, Stacy have a site called functional-strength.org. And of course, if uh, you're putting together a garage gym, a studio, commercial gym, military gym, 
Go to Iron Company. We've uh, been your one-stop shop since 1997. Need financing, anything like that. We've got uh, anything from flooring to strength to cardio, everything you could imagine. And then, uh, of course, there's uh, Jim Steele articles. In fact, we just put a new one up. It's called The Little Things. It's up now. Check it out. It's the little things that uh, we don't think about all the time, but are very important. In give me one little thing. Uh, grip width. How do you find nah, your grip we width? That. We did that last week. Give me another <laughs> You have to read the article. No, yeah, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, you don't want to blow it all. We already gave one. How many Let me see. I don't even remember. Let me see. What if Willie oh, wants yeah. to go in there? We don't want to go in and wreck the whole thing for him. All right. All right. No, JP, you got all kind of graphics on there right now. Talk about rest. Rest. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We got all kinds of stuff. And um, Willie, will you be starring in uh, Metrics and Beer Part Two with Kirk? No, Kirk got me there. He's uh, he can. You no, know, Kirk got me there. So like, there's something I would. Kurt and I would walk up to the edge and there's some, you know, he would maybe step over in some areas like the ice. <laughs> really? You just look over the edge. Like I say, I me, me and no, I'm not a beer guy. I'm not an alcohol guy. I think I had one beer my entire life. Oh uh, boy. One yeah, drink yeah. in my entire life. So, so Kurt got me. So uh, Kurt, uh, I admire you. Love you, brother. But that's not my, <laughs> <laughs> metric and beer no no no, no. <laughs> well who that has was, time for beer when you're eating twelve thousand calories uh per day right there's no time yeah, it was for it. like i say it was my my daughter and my son think i'm nuts because i only eat chicken and fish and vegetables these days i don't mess with red meat don't mess with pork none I'm of that because i had enough of it uh, back you know from back in the day yes we feel your pain yes yeah. no, more, right, no, no, no hamburgers for you when you go out oh no 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 no, <laughs> no more of the burger king for you right i i i wave at those the burger king i wave at the golden arches but i keep move, i keep it moving there you go <laughs> all right guys well thank you all thank right. you again willie you've been all great right, so thank you guys you guys on, have buddy. a you guys have a good one take all care right, yeah, we will. thank you willie